the book of life. That's the secrets of life. On his right hand. On his right hand. A scroll written inside and on the back. In other words, it's written everywhere. It's about life. Sealed with seven seals. Sealed with seven seals. And I didn't put the other scriptures, but then an angel, strong angel, with a strong voice saying, Who is worthy to open this book and to read? In other words, who is worthy to take this book, look into it, and discover the secrets of life that's written in this book? Who is worthy? And there was no man on the earth, no man in heaven, nobody, no being anywhere that was worthy to do that. And so that thing was supposed in God's hand up there, right hand, to be sealed for life. Nobody can ever get the secret to live out of what God had. And so the apostle John began to weep that no one was found to open and read and even look into what was written in there? He said, I, we- I wept much. But then he was comforted in verse 5. He says, but one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David. That's speaking about Jesus. Has prevailed to open the scroll. And to lose his seven seals. His seven seals. Now, and I looked. And behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven eyes, seven seals, and seven eyes, seven seals, and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. We have these seven spirits of God that's been sent out into all the earth that can unveil the secrets of living. The seven spirits of God to give us understanding. Of how to live. You see in Proverbs chapter 25 verse 2. Can you give me that? It says it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. God likes it that way. He wants it like secrets. That's where God is lifted above all the world. He knows more. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. But it is the glory of kings. We're talking about the anointing of a king. It is the glory of kings to search out a matter. Whatever is concealed, God says, if you want to be glorified, if you want to be lifted up, if you want to really succeed in life, search it out. Search it out. And if you will search it to break those seals, you need the seven spirits of God that constitute the Holy Spirit. And all of these were upon our Lord Jesus Christ. 
All of them. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 and 3, he makes it very clear. And we talked about the seven spirits of God. He said, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Capital H. Him. That's Jesus. So the spirit of the Lord, we're now going to unveil the seven spirits of God. With the, the seven eyes, seven spirits of God, seven seals, you cannot unveil without the eyes. You can't read what is in the scroll without the eyes. And these eyes have been sent out into all the world. They're with you. Are you willing? The, the spirits of the Lord, that's the Spirit of God, the seven spirits of God, seven spirits of God that constitutes the Holy Spirit. I used to really be confused. Seven spirits of God? I thought we only have one Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. That's Jesus, the King, the Spirit of wisdom. That's one. I. You need it. To unveil that part of God's word. The seven of them. The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of understanding. The spirit of, the, of counsel. The spirit of might. The spirit of knowledge of the fear of the Lord. He says, Jesus is when you have all of those, your delight will be in the fear of the Lord. Reverence for God. That's what he's talking about. When you got all of those, your delight, you just enjoy just being reverence to God. And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by hear, the hearing of his ears. In other words, he will make decisions based on the Spirit of God, the right decisions that the king must make to rule effectively. He must make all of those. And we said, these are seven of them. You can write them if you're writing. First is the spirit of wisdom. And then you have the spirit of understanding. And then you have the spirit of knowledge. You have the spirit of counsel. The spirit of the fear of the Lord. The spirit of might. And the spirit of the ability to judge rightly for the best of decisions in life. For your progress. So you're not making decisions based on what they're telling you in the natural or what you're hearing. You're hearing it. You have a different understanding from the inside. And when you make that decision, it's right. And I read a story about a guy. Uh, he talked, this person, the book I was reading, he was talking about uh, how some people have really succeeded financially in life, and some uh, uh, multimillionaires, they made a lot of mistakes, bad mistakes, but not this one guy. This fellow, I think probably Kenneth Hagin, when somebody goes to him with a bright idea, he's excited, he's about to jump into it. But he said, wait a minute, let me go talk to my God. And even though everything sounds good, he'll come back and say, uh, I just don't feel right about this. So why don't you feel right about it? He says, I just don't feel right. He says, but look, look. He says, no, I, I'm not going to do it. He, he's never lost anything. He's always successful because he was listening. And then there are others 
that were up and they make the wrong decision and they come right back down. And they struggle for a while and they go, but not this fellow. Because he was making the right decision and he has the anointing of a king to rule. That's what it says. They, out of all of these seven spirits of the Lord, five of them has to do with wisdom. Five of them. I said that last week. Five of them. Because the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. He says, therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding also. So knowledge is good. But if you don't have the wisdom to apply knowledge, you're going nowhere. You say the same thing. I mean, two people can say exactly the same thing. One used wisdom and there's a great result. And the other one didn't use wisdom and caused damage. They said exactly the same thing. But in different situations, and the timing was either right or the timing was wrong. So you can have knowledge. You can have all of it. We're really highly educated. But you don't have wisdom. I think we call that common sense. Common sense is not common. And you can see some of these guys, they got PhDs and DDDs, and you're wondering, how how did he get that? He's so dumb. (laughs) Just because he has no wisdom. You're wondering, yeah, he's smart. But wisdom has nothing to do with your brain. It has to do, it's a thing of the spirit. And so you can grow, if you grow in grace, you can grow in wisdom. It can be delivered to you, and then it will grow. So Paul realized, and I'm going to share this with you to let you know how important this is. This thing, the wisdom, God talked about five of those things. But first, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul went into three of them that are so important. Even if you have faith. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15, it says, beginning from verse 15 through 18, it says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith, so they had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They already had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. These people were walking in love. And the Bible says, if you walk in love, he who walks in love does not cause harm to his neighbor. And because of that, you have fulfilled the law. And if you fulfill the law, you should be blessed. If you kept the law of God, Deuteronomy 28 is yours. So these were people that really loved the brethren. John said, if you, we have passed from death to life. Why? Because we love the brethren. We love the Christian brothers. So when you really love, you've passed from death to life. You can really live. You can now enjoy the abundant life. But also, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But Paul is saying here, I, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and love for all the saints, and we will think that is complete. That's not the way he saw it. 
I do not cease to give thanks for you. I thank God for your faith, and I thank God that you love. Love never fails. I thank God that you love. Making mention of you in my prayers. What do you still need? He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom. You see, that's just one of the seven spirits of God. You need the spirit of wisdom. And revelation. And then and knowledge. And the knowledge of Him. And he says, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Did you know your understanding have eyes? <laughs> the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, be educated. That's what he's saying. So your understanding in Christ has to be educated by the Spirit of God. If you are to succeed as a Christian... And to succeed in life. And really understand God. And lose your fear of what's happening over there. They are not part of us. They are really not part of us. This is very important. I would like you to understand. This is really important. Because your faith grows as you hear the word of God. Some of us, we are being transformed right now. As you are hearing the word of God. You may not understand what's going on. But I need to speak these words. So that God can begin to do a work. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by the Spirit of God. And Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. You are cleansed because of the word that I've spoken to you. So I firmly believe that as I speak these words, the word of faith, they are going into your heart and they are in your mouth. The more you talk about it, the more your life gets transformed. That's the way the word of God says. Romans chapter 10, read it. It's in your mouth and in your heart. It's the word of faith that we preach. Is the word of faith that we preach. So he's praying that the eyes of their understanding be educated, be enlightened. That you know what is the hope of your calling. Because if you don't have hope, your faith is not going to work. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you need to know the hope of your calling. So you can wait in expectation. And then your faith grows so you can have it. And nothing moves you. Paul said that. I'm not moved by what they're saying. Nothing moves you. When you have the inner eyes. And the eyes of your understanding have been enlightened. You have no fear. Those bad news, you shake them off you. Because you know you got God. And that he's constant. He's faithful. He never deny himself. So you know that. So you know the hope of your calling. And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in you as a saint. You are uh, his riches. Uh, you're going to take a rich man's wealth from him. You'll pay a serious price. You are God's riches. He's not going to let go of his riches. But until you understand how priceless you are in the sight of God, you treat yourself as if you are ordinary. And handle yourself in that ordinary way. So that you know, and he continued, that you may know 
What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And it continues with what you need to know. The exceeding greatness of his power that God has demonstrated towards us because we believe in him. And that same power is at work in us today that you will know. There is a big difference between knowing and just believing. Let me put it this way. You ask this fellow, we have a healing service. And I'm saying, brother, do you believe that God's going to heal you today? He says to me, I know. That's the difference. I know I'm going to be healed today. He's not going to say belief. He's saying, I already know that. So let's cut that out. Just pray for me now because I'm going to get it. But when I say, well, I believe so. <laughs> uh, we'll think about that. It's good to believe. But when you use the word, that's for us humans. When we use the word, I know. That's confidence. Not just, I believe. I believe God's going to heal me today. He said, I know. And I've seen that when you go to people and I say, you believe God's going to heal you? And they tell me, I know I'm going to be healed. They didn't use the word believe. I know, hey, this is really going to be good. It's time to pray. Let's not talk more. I know. That's what he wants you to know, to do, to have confidence that God's on your side. That if God be for you, no one can be against you. No sickness, no disease, no demon, nothing. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, I don't care where it comes from. If the doctor says it, that's a, and they're telling you you're going to die, that's kind of, some kind of judgment. Condemn it. Reject it immediately. And when you decree it, heaven will confirm it. He says, decree a thing. He's not saying, pastor, decree. No, you are a child of God. You decree a thing. And heaven says, yes. So shall it be. That's the way we should, we should behave. That's the anointing of a king. When a king is acting uncertain, with like he no, doesn't know where to go, people know he's already lost. He's not going to be a king for long. Because the, most, the stronger your position, the stronger the opposition against your life. When God has something special for your life, prepared for your life, you're going to have a lot of things coming at you. You know, in our church, when I start having difficulties and all kinds of problems, then I said to, my, I said to myself, we're doing something right. <laughs> if you don't have it, something is not going on. No matter how, the, whatever form they come, small ones, skinny ones, fat ones, tall ones, it doesn't matter. Those troubles, they, they come with different kinds of shapes and different colors. Sometimes you're dealing with one, you get through, and then you're saying, wow, oof. I need to rest. And then before you turn around, there are five of them waiting for you with different colors. And you're wondering, where did they come from? But you have the anointing of a king. Jesus was never afraid of anything. You know that. Nothing shocked him. He knew what he was going to do. And we have the same spirit that God has sent into all the world. That's what it says in Revelation. God has sent that same spirit into all the world. The seven eyes. They are all around us. All we need to do is, yes, God, that's me. And accept it. That I've got the wisdom. The Bible says Jesus has made wisdom unto us. 
So we have all of those. So we must know. Those, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding. Once you don't have understanding, Satan got you beat. Read, I've said this before, read uh, uh, Matthew chapter 13. When Jesus was going to explain the parable of the sower, he said to them, the, the wayside heart, they heard the word and did not understand the word. Then Satan, because they didn't understand the word, that's why Satan was able to steal the word and he didn't bear fruit. Just because they didn't have the spirit of understanding. But Jesus said, to you it has been given. To know the mystery in the hand of the Father. The mystery of the kingdom. That mystery is greater than all natural laws. Jesus didn't care much about natural laws. He obeyed them, but when they stood in his way, he overrode them. He walked on water, right? Turned water into wine. If they stand in his way, he just will change the whole thing. That's the Jesus that we serve. And he is with you tonight. Amen? Your address is his address. When you go home, he goes home with you. He said, I and the Father will come and make our dwelling with you. So in my house, when you come, don't only greet us. Greet Master Jesus first before you start greeting us. He's there. That's his address. He lives with us. If a robber comes in, first of all, the king lives in the house. There will be some mighty angels with their sword or something standing by the door. And when they see those, they say, this is not the right house. It's wrong. We need to go somewhere else. Because God has given his angels charge over us, according to the scripture, Psalm 91. He's going to do that for us. Amen? That's the God that we serve. That's why we need to know the hope of our calling. The hope of our calling. The spirit of counsel. Jesus had that. He says in Isaiah 11, he will have the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The spirit of counsel and the spirit of might. So what does this mean? Jesus came and he brought with him, the spirit of counsel was upon him, and he gave us, in, just in passing, real truths about life to succeed if we will pay attention to it. He gave us a lot of words. I think the way God is, he speaks a lot, but if you are a king and you want to be a king and rule, he keeps all of them. They're hearing him, but they can't understand what he's saying. They can't get the truth. He takes the king to search those things out and get the nuggets for living. They are there in our scriptures. A lot of people read them and sometimes they quote them, but they don't really believe them. And they are not going to live by them. And so they don't understand this secret that God unveiled through her, to us by the, counsel, the spirit of counsel that was upon his son. When he was here on the earth, he gave us this truths, nuggets about life and how to succeed and we hear them and say how nice and don't do anything about it and miss out on it. I think when we get to heaven now I can understand where it says God will wipe away their tears and I'm thinking so people will be crying in heaven oh yes, 
there will be some tears because when God showed you, shows you what you missed out on, you do a little crying, okay? <laughs> it's too late. And then you wipe out the tears and you're happy again. But you never get those things. Ooh, that's not good to talk about. <laughs> but Jesus gave us truths. One of the major truths, a word of counsel, this from the spirit of counsel that was upon him. Because Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 and 3, they're talking about Jesus himself. And then Jesus passed that over to us. And we can see that in the scriptures with the disciples. That same spirit of counsel as they gave us counsel about how to live life and be successful. One of those things he told us was this. Matthew chapter 6, verse uh, 33, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. His, that's God's righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But the way we like to do it, we put it backward. We're seeking those things first, and we think, God, if you can only allow me to get these things first, then I'm going to come back and serve you. Most people never come back. They're gone. But this is a serious principle of life, if you will live by this. To seek God first. You know, I heard somebody, sometimes I listen to ministers just to get myself challenged. But you know, what's, how, how God can do this. And the man was saying, you know, I, I, I just love God. That's all that's important to me. He's, he's there in me and, and, and see what God's doing. Not only in one area, God will make your life complete. He will perfect that which concerns you when you love him first. That's why the commandment is love the Lord your God. That's number one. Every other commandment is hanging on that. The second one, love your neighbor, that's an overflow of the first. But once you got all of that and you are going after God's kingdom... All of these things, you will begin to attract them. The things that the world needs. They will come after you. And if you read in uh, Deuteronomy 28, it says they will come after you and overtake you. All these blessings. So Jesus gave us this truth here. Seek God's kingdom first. It's a very simple thing, the way we think. Think about it. If you, if, if, even just concerning your job, if, if, you, if your employer says uh, uh, you need to be at work and you're feeling tired, what would you do? What if your pastor says, I need you in church today, what would you say? The same tiredness. What would you say? Well, pastor, I'm tired. But you can't say that to your boss. So you see where your heart is? Now, that may be meaningless. We're not going to law. But we don't know how God reads these things. I don't know. He may not see anything to it, but he knows what's in your heart. What's important to you. And you can always watch those individuals where God's number one in their lives, and they are ready to let anything go. For God, watch what God will do for them. That's the important thing. Look, I tell you the truth. God can do just, just one thing in your life, and your life is transformed forever. 
Just one thing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were with the others. They were just numbered with them. They were ordinary. But they refused. They would stay with their God. And from one day, one event, their life was totally transformed. Because they stood with God. And were not afraid. We will make excuses by saying, God understands. He doesn't. Really, he doesn't. There were Jews that bowed in the days of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Saying, God, it doesn't matter. God understands. If we don't bow, we'll die. He understands. Why should all of us die? How did God say that? He didn't destroy them. They were still his people. But they didn't get promoted. Their names are not written in this book for us to read. God says nothing about them. That's how important this thing is. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things that they want, it will be added to you. That's the important thing. Jesus gave us that counsel from the spirit of counsel. Jesus also gave us number two. Love will make you invincible. Love will do that for you. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44. It says, you have heard that it was said. This is what they told them in the Old Testament. This was for the flesh. This was for natural man. Not those who were born, those who are born by the Spirit. This was for those of the flesh. He said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, in other words, let me counsel you. It makes sense to love those who love you and hate those who are trying to destroy you. Don't want anything to do with them. All of that. It makes sense. Naturally, it makes sense. What are you doing with them? They hate you. Why are you greeting them? They talk bad about you. That's normal. It makes sense. But Jesus says to do something different as a spirit person, as one who is anointed to be a king. He said, you have heard that. You should love your enemy, love your neighbor, and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. In other words, love them. Even though they are saying things about you, you should still continue to love them. Pray for them. Is that easy to do? Uh, By no means. But that's the thing to do. That's the thing to do. To love them. To love your enemy. And to pray for them. Jesus, the scripture, Paul gave us three things. That we really need. In life to be successful. In 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13. He made it very clear. It says, now abides faith. Hope and love. We need these things. Faith, hope, and love. If you're going to succeed 
As a Christian, you're going to succeed as a man. You need faith, hope, and love. But then he said, the greatest of these is love. That's the most powerful one. You know, let me, the Bible is tell, it's very clear about this. Did you know that your faith can fail? And hope can be deferred? Jesus told uh, Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you to sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith fail not. So your faith can fail. But the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8, love never fails. So Jesus is telling us, if you go the way of love, you can never fail. Your faith will fail. Hope can be deferred. And faith doesn't work without love. Your faith works by love. So he's telling you, you don't need all this extra trouble to hinder your faith so that you fail. Love never fails. Love will always succeed. And Paul tells us that love is the fulfillment of the law. If you love, you have fulfilled, fulfilled the law. That's in Romans chapter 13 verse 10. Love doesn't do harm to the neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. That's everything the prophets and the, uh, the, the commandments, they all hang on love. That's what Jesus said. So when you do it, you fulfill the law. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, so you are diligent in obeying the voice of the Lord. <laughs> That's very important there. Another spirit, we'll come into that later. It takes might to be diligent. Amen? To be diligent, that's a lot of energy. So we're coming to that. Just a little mind. But he says, he says in the word of God here, now it shall come to pass. In other words, it will not fail. You will really see this if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to observe carefully all His commandments. How do you obey all His commandments? Love. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the commandments. So if you are careful to love, if you love, you have passed from death to life. If you truly love, then you have fulfilled the commandments. That God has commanded you today. That the Lord your God, once that's done, then the Lord your God will set you high above. Because you have fulfilled the commandment of love. That's the counsel Jesus gave to us. You don't need your enemies to hinder you from being above. Because you are holding bitterness. He gave us the word of counsel. You let them go. He's not worth it. 
Oh, she's not worth it. You're holding all these things. They're hindering you. They're already bad. Why do you want to keep them in your breast and go to sleep with them? Let them go. So that God can bless you. Pray for them. When I have difficulty, and I just I wake up, that's when my wife will tell you, I'm up real early. I'm, I'm going to pray for this person until I can look them in the face. And I still know what's going on, but I don't have that. You, you can make your decisions based on what you know, but not bitterness. So you can succeed. So you pray, Jesus gave us how to, how to handle that. When you feel that, pray. Pray for your enemies. Find something good to do if it's possible. So that you free yourself. Because you don't want to be hindered. He says, when you have fulfilled this commandment, then God will set you above. Above. High above all nations on the earth. God's going to do that. And all these blessings shall come upon you. Can you say, I like to, when I'm doing this, I will say to myself, come upon me, please. Blessings, come on. Hey. Come upon. That's what God said. The, all of these blessings. First, it says, seek first, and all of these things shall be given, added to you. And here he's saying, when you obey the law of love, then all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. Knock you over so that you can never recover. Amen. That's what he's saying in his word. And God means what he says. The trouble is we don't believe it enough to act on it. We are leaning on our own understanding. And we calculate and make all these calculations. If I do this, what will he think? If I go give him this stuff now, he's going to start wondering why I'm doing this. And so you are concerned about what people think instead of obeying the Lord. The greatest motive a man can have is to read the scripture and say, even though I don't feel that way. But just like Peter said to Jesus, Lord, we have been out fishing all night. We are fishermen, I'm telling you. We know these waters. <laughs> but at your word, okay, just because you said it, we will obey you. And guess what? He had so many fish. He finally decided, I must be a wicked man. I shouldn't have even said a word to him. He said, depart from me, for I am an unclean person. Just because he said it. You don't have to go with your feeling. Just do what he said. And do it because, not because you feel like doing it, but because he said so. That honors him. And then as you do it, your heart will eventually catch up. Your feelings will catch up with it. And then you feel good. And then you have obeyed the Lord. These are principles from the word of God. The seven spirits of God. And you're hearing these words tonight. And I firmly know that the God that we serve, who cannot lie, because you're hearing this word tonight, the word is going into your heart. Can I hear an amen? And it's in your tongue. And it will produce for you. So shall it be. It will produce for you. It will produce for you. It will produce for your children. It will produce for your family. Because your family is a candidate for God's blessings. In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And that's your family. So you must say that. My family is blessed. 
You know, it's, uh, many times when I'm praying, I'm telling the Lord, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Whether I feel it or not, I'm just telling him. And then he catches up with you as you keep saying it. And I will obey you, God. Help me to obey you. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And God takes the imperfect, presented to him. He perfects it and gives it right back to you. Stand up with me tonight. He is here. He is here. Jesus is here with us. Jesus is here with us. Jesus is standing right by you. Jesus is on your side. You are his best friend. Can you say that? He is my best friend. Claim him. Anytime you claim Jesus as your best friend, he knows he's your best friend. So tell him, you are my best friend. He he said to us, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. But until you acknowledge that he's your friend, uh, we have a division here. How can two walk together except they be in agreement? So call him your best friend. Jesus, you are my best friend. You are my lover. I love you, Lord. I thank you for your goodness to me. Thank you for your mercy that's new every morning. Thank you for your goodness upon my children, my family, my finances. I'd like you to be saying that right now as you hear me say it. Say it in your mind or even mouth it if you want. That God's good to you. Thank him because he's so good to you. You cannot be sick. You're well. Your family is well. Your finances is well. God's meeting all of your needs. The Lord is your shepherd. I shall not want. God has sent his angels to go before you, to protect you, protect your home, protect your property, protect your retirement, whatever thing that you want God to do for you, whatever you need Him to be for you, if it means life, He will do it for you. That's how God good, how good God is. That's why we say He is a good God. The devil is a good God, and the devil, the devil, did I say that? <laughs> God is a good God. And the devil is a bad devil. Amen. In those days, if I said that, I would tell myself, how did I say that? Satan is one. I'm kidding. <laughs> now you can tell we are not perfect, right? <laughs> Lift your hands up. Don't you ever tell anybody I said that. <laughs> oh, God, have mercy. <laughs> In those days, I would do seven, seven repentance before God. <laughs> Father, I want to thank you. Because you love us so much. You are so here with us and we're so grateful for your goodness in our lives. It's such an awesome thing to have a God like you in our life. It's such a great privilege. And we are happy to be your children. And we thank you, Lord, because you have given us hearts of obedience. And we will obey you. We will live for you. We are ready to do your work. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name.